and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Lone Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and a very special guest by way of Denver, Colorado. He is with me today in Philadelphia, PA. He is the founder and the CEO of Adium. Adium is a CRM built specifically with the mortgage loan originator in mind. He is my new friend, Spencer Dozabout. Spencer, welcome to the Loan Officer Podcast. Yeah, thank you. So happy to be here and what a fun place to be doing this. You looked so happy to be here. You had that like Cheshire grin on your face for those that are not tuned in on YouTube. You're like, my marketing director put me up to this. Not at all. No, this is phenomenal, dude. You have such an incredible story that coming into it, like, yes, you are a founder and CEO of one of my favorite CRMs for loan officers. Um, we promote your product on our on, on our show, but also on our website to loan originators, uh, because if I was still back producing, like your solution would definitely be one that I would be deploying. But your story goes so much further and so much more beyond like, okay, a CRM company. Um, I learned something new about you. Like we were turning on the cameras, we were talking about like, hey, how did you get into AI? How did you get into tech? And I was like, oh, you must've gone to school for software development, but you didn't. What did you go to school for? I studied uh, business and religious studies. Got to, uh, so everyone everyone said I would start a cult one day, the business side and then the the spiritual <laughs> side. So that that was sort of the joke, but that's what I that's what I formally studied in. And then college. did you grow up in Colorado and go to school in Colorado? No, I grew up in Santa Barbara. I went to school in Santa Barbara. Okay, uh, UCSB. Uh, it's a small kind of liberal arts school called Westmont. That's Westmont. I went down. Okay, my kid who's 18 and he's a freshman in college, UCSB was like, Dad, I want to go there. <laughs> I'm like, A, do you think you can get in? And B, did you see the expense of it? You are not in state. Like, <laughs> you're a Florida kid. I cannot imagine, even if you got in, that we're going to pony up the cash. Because um, I've yeah. never been to Santa Barbara, but I heard it's beautiful. It's a great spot, for sure. But yeah. you live in Boulder now, yep. which I've also heard is beautiful. Uh -huh. So you only live in beautiful places. I, I mean... Is, is, that's that's the goal, right? So, <laughs> in in, in yeah. a perfect world. So you didn't go to school for what I would call computer programming. How did you get into the tech industry? Right, Because that's what I would say your product is. I mean, yeah. it, overall, you help the mortgage industry specifically solve pain points by utilizing your technology. Yep. Right, your technology would be classified as a CRM, but at the end of the day, you're solving pain. Yep. You're helping someone overcome that pain and hopefully have operational efficiency. But this isn't your first company nope. that you started. No, definitely not. <laughs> what What was the very, very, like maybe you were still in high school and maybe it was more philanthropic. Yes. What was the very first company you ever started? Yeah. How old were you and what was the um, motivation behind that company? Yeah, so I've always been entrepreneurial. I guess the first real company I started is really more of a nonprofit. So towards the end of high school, I helped start the nonprofit Hands for Others, okay. um, which is basically a crowdfunding platform um, to give high school and college students awareness to solve the world's water crisis, in essence. And so, the and you, were, you were how old? I was 16. Okay, sophomore yeah. in high school. Uh, yeah, yeah. And you woke up one day, you're done playing video games, didn't want to go shoot hoops anymore. So you're like, man, what could I do today? Huh, let me think. I want to solve the world's potable drinking water crisis. Not necessarily. So I, okay. was, I was on like a, a service learning trip uh, in Belize, actually and just got to know, we went to like a remote kind of indigenous Mayan village, if you will, and got to know some of the people there and saw that they were walking hours every single day to go gather water from a river that, you know, the water looked more like 
coffee than it did water. And I think that sort of sparked something in me, some of my friends, and we decided to do something to help. Originally, it was just raise money to help you know, that community, maybe other communities like that, and it turned into more of a kind of global effort. We did projects 17 countries around the world. You did this while also maintaining like a full course load at your mm -hmm. local high school. Um, how many countries again? 17. 17 countries. Mm -hmm. um, is that organization still around or did you end up um, like folding it into a different organization out of curiosity? Yeah. Because this was what, probably 10, 15 years ago for you? Yeah, it's yeah, a long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I continued to run it through college um, and got out of college and, and sort of recognized that I loved the technology that we had built in the sense that like we were almost like a GoFundMe before GoFundMe existed, so, so to speak. And so we, I, I loved the platform that we had built. Um, you know, being in the nonprofit world, you really are a, you're fundraising all the time, shaking hands, kissing babies. And for me, I liked, I like solving problems and I like building products. And so for me, I realized like, hey, this is great. It can continue to, to exist in the world. Um, but like I haven't put, you know, a ton of effort into it. Uh, you know, it's been it's been a while. At this so point. it started as a holy cow. I'm down in Belize, yep. and I can't believe someone's going to drink that water. Absolutely. Yeah. You come home, it doesn't sit well with you. Yep. So then, do you start by raising money first, or do you start by trying to figure out a technology where you could help turn that water source into clean, usable water? Yeah. Start 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 doing the research on like, okay, how could you actually help these people? And you realize pretty quickly that there's a lot of different things you can do. You can dig a well, you can, you know, install a water purification system. Of course, they don't have power, so then you have to realize there has to be solar power. I mean, it, it, it's kind of the whole, uh, I went through that whole process, talked to a, different, a bunch of different organizations that were doing that, and basically it was just really vetting them on like, okay, if we're going to raise all this money, um, who, who are we going to give this money to that can actually help these people? And so we eventually found an organization called Water Missions International. They had like a patented water filtration system. There we go, okay. And uh, and, and that's where basically we created, we, we did our fundraising effort, we raised $25,000, gave them the check, they helped bring clean water to them. And from there, we sort of started to create that kind of crowdfunding platform where other high school and college students around the country started to raise money for uh, similar communities around the so world. So this was before GoFundMe? Like this yeah, was like, yeah. like, but it was, it was crowdfunding. Yeah, what, exactly. Did you build the technology yourself? Was there an app that you built or was it a plugin? I'm curious now. Yeah, I, I, for, I actually, I forget what was the kind of payment processor we were, we were using, but it was, it was really new technology. Um, but yeah, we kind of created our own little web app where um, as money came in, it would kind of move the needle for certain projects and people could see the different projects. And if you were like on the inside or like in, in um, you know, leading a team, um, you, you could log in and like post content and things like that. So yeah, we, we built we built all that. Wow, you did it. I mean, myself and friends. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But but uh -huh. I mean, you're just a group of guys that just really like computers. I mean, is that did it come to a computer? Is it like so? I'm a guy. She knows about me. <laughs> I barely know how to turn on my computer. And when my when something's not working, mm. like of course it's never user error. Yep. But the way I fix it is I throw it on the ground. Yep. Um, and, and then I'm always uh, like astonished by guys like you. You're like, nah, you know, I, I did some, you know, theological studies, I did some business studies and, but I'm really good and I love this technology. Just self-taught, just like, like for the most part. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, it, it's always been of interest to me again. I mean, I, I love to learn and I love to solve problems. And, you know, I, I sort of saw like technology is that barrier 
that we had to climb. And so you yeah, you start to learn and got these great tools like Google and there's these online courses. You just start to you start to figure it out and piece it together together. And so um, for me, like I'm I'm not formally trained in computer science. I'm more of what you would call a hacker. Yeah. Not like I'm trying to hack in and steal your information, but like a hacker in the sense that like just really you know, learn learn to code more out of necessity than out of like this is my what I'm gonna do with my life. Type yeah, of thing. you're you're a hacker in the sense like you ask your neighbor, hey, are you a golfer? Now nah, I'm a hacker. You know, like like <laughs> yes, look, I'm yes. not good. I don't go out there and shoot under par, but I like to get out there. I like to swing. I like to hit the ball. Yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 yeah, exactly. I break ninety from like a coding standpoint, <laughs> but I'm not a scratch. Uh, there you, <laughs> a scratch I like coder. that. Yes, yes. To, to play into that into the yep. analogy. So we're talking about the businesses. So to me, that would have been like your first business, although I know uh -huh. it was a philanthropic, yep. non-for-profit. What was the next business that, that, that you, you ended up launching? And, and was this post-college or also while you're in school? Yeah, so <laughs> there's there's been a lot, it's hard for me to remember all the different failures that uh, <laughs> have companies that I've created. I, uh, but looking back on it, gosh, I think one of the first things I did was, was a company called like 100 Doctors. And the idea was, is we would build websites and do search engine optimization for doctors. And we'd only take 100 at a time, they'd pay X amount as myself and a buddy, and it's like you start doing the math, and you're like, oh wow, this could be a great business. Um, it turns out it's, you know, when you have an idea, like coming up with an idea and then selling the idea and getting people to part with their hard-earned money are two very different things. Your um, brain and my brain work a lot alike. It, like, yeah. it makes perfect sense when I'm, when I'm laying in bed. And I'm like, okay, like right now I do this. Like, like we we have our first product that's launched from the from the podcast, and it's a product specifically geared to support mortgage loan originators. That's it, right? Or and branch managers and sales managers, but it's like a one-stop shop. I think of it like branch manager in a box, right? Yep. You got coaching, you got training, you got resources, etc. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, the mortgage industry is consolidating. There's 150,000 licensed uh, MLOs going down to 80,000. Cool, I'm cool with 80,000. I'm pretty confident I can, I can um, build enough goodwill with 3% of the 80,000 that those 3% yep. would love to be a part of this community, would love this branch made into a box, and they would gladly raise their hand and say, yes, I want to be a T-Lopper. If I do that as 2,400, and if 2,400 members are paying X amount of dollars, we can then use that money to A, provide them with even better tools and resources, yep. but B, run a nice, nimble, but profitable entity. Yep. If only it was that easy. If, if only, only yes, people love the podcast. People don't love to invest in their future. <laughs> they don't love to invest in professional development. So I'm very happy to hear you're like, oh geez, like I had this great idea, the numbers worked, but couldn't get funding for it. No, get, no one else agreed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think we got like two doctors and 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 of course, you know, the people that jump on like a new product first are oftentimes very forward thinking. Maybe they really know what they're doing. Um, and so they were extremely difficult high maintenance clients. And so at a certain point I was like, well, we're having a hard time figuring out how to do more of this. And these people are a nightmare and let's just sort of fold it up, right? And so, um, but, yeah, you're, you're, you're exactly right. <laughs> so, and I also love you sharing and being vulnerable enough, hey, like, I can't even count the number of yeah. startup ideas that never materialized. Yep. Um, what was your, your first company that really took off for you, that, that just, it, it, it gained roots, it gained momentum, and you're able to go somewhere with it? Yeah, that's a company called Lead Faucet. We're basically doing predictive data 
in the real estate space, like predicting when um, people will be more likely to sell their homes and then generating leads off of that, selling those leads to realtors. Um, okay, so, so that was predictive. The first one. Yeah, is that yeah. almost like AI or not really? Is, is predictive analytics similar to AI or because it's not machine learning, it's not considered AI? Yeah, I mean, AI, I mean, it, I think sort of defining AI can be challenging yes. because I mean, you get an, you get a text message that's automated. Is that AI? You know, yeah. it's like it's it, it's hard it's to really say. It's a bot. Say. Yeah. Um, it was more trigger based for us. It was more of like, what are the ten to fifteen things we can look for that indicate um, like like a higher probability of selling, and then we would reach out more directly to to those people. So. Um, it, it wasn't. It wasn't even really machine learning. It was fairly rudimentary. <laughs> okay, but yeah. but still, a, a concept you had. You got it yep. off the ground, and you're able to sell it. Yep. How long did you own it for before you sold it? Uh, that was really quick. I mean, we brought it to market. I mean, built the product. I mean, it was within about a year. Some wow, years, good, good for up. you. Yeah. Do you have a particular business failure? I know you said you had uh -huh. many things to get off the ground, but one one particular like business lesson you learned because something didn't go right. Um. I think it's just more of how long it actually takes to succeed at building a business. And I think for a lot of young people or people that are entrepreneurially minded, they say, I want to start something. And really the question is, is, I mean, A, how much do you really care about the problem that you're solving? And are you willing to dig in and do it for five years until you really figure it out? And so, you know, I've, I've been there where I have an idea. It's like another kind of stupid business that I did. It was called uh, College Catastrophe Kits, where basically I ordered all this stuff and it was like, send your kid off with this kit, you know, when they go to college and then if a tornado happens or this happens, they'll have what they need, right? And it's just like, It's know. like everything but the bomb shelter. <laughs> exactly, more or less, you know? And of course it turns out that's actually, again, really hard. I mean, that's a whole nother, I mean, you gotta go and you gotta find these parents and market to them. And I mean, it's just, it, it, so it didn't really, not much happen with it. and so. I think for me, I've been fortunate where it's like I've, I've kind of failed fast and learned along the way. But I mean, if you really want to build something meaningful, you got to be willing to to put in the time and to, and to dig in your heels for sure. So your latest company, Adium, mm -hmm. which congratulations, I just learned that you secured a Series A uh -huh. funding round, yeah. which I mean, for, for those that don't know, when you're talking to, especially a, a, a startup, someone in the tech space, you typically start with like your friends and family round of mm -hmm. funding or you self-fund it. Then when you have some kind of a proven concept, you can go to an angel investor, which is something that I do with, with a group uh, where we're probably in about a dozen to, to a dozen and a half uh, seed rounds at various stages. Yep. You know, some three, four years ago, we we're hoping for an exit. And you know, some nine months ago, we we're like, oh gosh, don't think that one's going to pan out. Yep. Um, but so congrats, because it's a big deal when you're able to get to that series A, because now you have a valuation and yep. um, the, the, you know, kind of like, it's like you kind of made it, right? Like, cool, you made it. When did you found Adium? It wasn't originally called Adium, it was called? Daily AI. Daily yeah, AI, uh -huh. and, and when did you launch that company? Um, we started building that in 2019. Okay, yeah. so you sold the the lead generation, uh -huh. uh, and that was more real estate focused. Yeah. Uh -huh. And then when you founded Daily, what was the pain that you're to solve, looking to solve at that time? Yeah, I think it was uh, just understanding a lot of the inefficiencies in the sort of home buying process and working with enough realtors. I mean, look, selling leads is not a business I'm going to do again because yeah. I mean, what's, what, what does everyone do when you sell them leads? They complain about how crappy the leads <laughs> are. And uh, I mean, and we had a lot of realtors that made a lot of money off our leads, but of course you get some that are just never happy with the leads that you well, give because us. Because you also forgot to tell them you have to call them. Yes. And call them again and text That's, them and text them again and have systems and processes and campaigns yep. and 
oh no, I was supposed to, like, I know how this works. Cause yep. I, yeah, they, they, they think they can write a check. And not only is it a lead, but it's a qualified lead that's already been converted. Yep. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. It's like, yes. well, if I were doing that, I'd be getting a referral fee. <laughs> yes. Not you're, You would be paying me 20 bucks for it, right? Exactly, but, yeah. Um, but you know, you're exactly right. I mean, that's what I'd ask people is, okay, so that lead sucked, like unpack it. And they'd say, well, I got that lead yesterday. I left a voicemail, I haven't heard from them. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, this is an online lead. Like it's gonna take seven touch points, maybe even get a hold of them. Um, and I think just understanding the real realtor persona. I mean, realtors are one of the few professionals that will pick up their phone day or night, not even knowing who's calling. And that just speaks to the nature of a real estate transaction. Like what's going on is. Was your family in real estate? I'm, I'm just curious like how you pivoted from clean water, raising money, um, and then you had some ideas to help doctors. I guess doctors were somewhat of a lead gen, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, uh -huh. and then you're doing lead gen for the real estate community. Correct. And then when you launched Daily AI, that mm -hmm. later became Adium. Uh -huh. The the pain at that point was it still real estate focused? Was it home buyer focused, or no. is that when you pivoted into more into the mortgage it, it, space? It was more more it was more mortgage. And I think for me, like uh, what I what I realized through um, you know lead faucet and, and different businesses like that is uh, is just that there weren't a lot of great systems to help on the lead conversion, the follow up side, but also just the real estate transaction is a bit of a mess, and there's a lot going on, and no one's on the same page. Um, and so I saw an opportunity to help sort of operationalize that. Um, and, and, and ultimately the lender to a certain extent is the quarterback in a, in a, in a, in a, in a real estate transaction. A good lender is, yes. Because if the money doesn't come through, you know, you know, the loan doesn't get approved on time, like you ain't, you're not closing. And so I really, and also I think there's, there's less competition on, on the lending side, um, as well. And so solid has a great place to start. Like, can we help, um, you know, help improve the communication process, uh, uh, of a transaction and can we help on the lead conversion side as well and so that's where we decided to start and the name change yep w when did that come about and why um it came about earlier this year um because we acquired whiteboard so it's daily eye then plus whiteboard um and we we did our venture round and um it, it just seemed to make sense to rebrand uh, to something new i mean so adm um, it's also sort of AI DM, so DM is daily, then AI, so it's a little bit kind of yeah. uh, true to our roots there. Um, but yeah, I mean, also just wanted a, a fresh uh, look and feel, like, you know, you can see the yellow <laughs> behind us. I mean, um, yeah, so, so wanted to just have a, a, new, a new look. Uh, I think that was more sort of appropriate for what we're doing. We're trying to bring innovative technology into, into the space, and so wanted a new look and feel. I was say, so what, what's next for you all over at ADM? Like, what, what's exciting you? Because obviously you're somebody who's Wheels are always in motion, mm -hmm. right? You probably can't turn it off and some days you'd like to. Yeah. But what is it, I mean, when you, you start looking out at the next 12, 18 months, what's exciting you? I think it's it's helping our customers win. So for me, it's like, sure, we're, we're a CRM. We can help automate a lot of your processes. I think for us, it's really now doing discovery on like what are the broken processes. And one that jumps out to us is, um, you know, for every 100 leads a loan officer get, only 20 convert into an application. So there's, everyone says, we want more leads. Okay, well, maybe instead of getting more leads, can we bump that to 30%, yes. right? And so uh, I think for me, it's like, we don't want to be a solutions provider that just says, here's the technology, go figure it out. I think for us, it's like, what are the biggest pain points that our customers are experiencing and can we work with them to solve them? And so we have a whole list of, we call it use cases, but it's just basically like, what are the things that our customers are struggling with? And as a team, we're, we're, we're creating content and automations and building technology to help our customers solve that. So that's that's what I'm really excited about. And in a tough market like this, 
it's great to have a lot of partners that are also excited about that. When it was raining refinances, no one had the time or <laughs> there really wasn't a, a problem for anyone's perspective, right? And so, but now it's, that it's tough times, it's like, great, we can really dig in and figure this out together. What type of advice would you have for the, the, all the other Spencers who are tuning in um, who maybe aren't even in the mortgage space. Maybe they're 22-year-old college seniors or they're 100% commission sales professionals. Um, some, some life lessons and business lessons that, that you would pass on. Um, and maybe these are things that you learned the hard way. Maybe these are things that were taught to you or maybe they are things you wished were taught to you. Yeah, I think there's a few things. Is, is one, if you're, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, again, find, find a problem that you really believe in, 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 in finding a solution towards and, and again be willing to kind of spend five years really working on it and, and getting good at it. Um, I think it's also one of the things I've uh, always looked for is sort of like you, you kind of call it like that tipping point moment where it feels like you're working so hard but you have to think about like what's the one thing that needs to happen that's going to show some sort of validation or things are going to start to take off for us and so I remember that with the lead faucet, it was like there was a post in this kind of online community and all of a sudden there was like 100 demos scheduled. And it was like, okay, if we can just build this and make this happen and provide this amount of leads and get this level of conversion, this is going to be a real business. We can make money here. And so I think it's just understanding like what does success look like and how and how possible is it? And and and, and don't be afraid to, to fail fast. I know it might sound contradictory in the standpoint of like you're digging in for five years. I think it's, but uh, you also don't want to dig in for five years if it's... <laughs> Yeah. If, if it's a helpless case, right? So, you know, shoot your shot and, and learn from it. And if there's something there, yeah, dig, dig in and roll up your sleeves and, and do the work. But if there's there's nothing there, I mean, don't be afraid to fail fast and move on to the to the next thing and learn from it. I love that piece of advice. Like the way where my brain went with it is there's certain people who will go out and they'll obtain a real estate license or they'll buy that, that particular course and learn how to become a real estate property investor slash home flipper, or they go get their, their NMLS and they become a loan originator but they don't like it and they're not mm. good at it. At that point, yeah, don't take five years, literally take five months. And if you realize after five months, you're not good at this and you don't like it. Right. Yeah, like at that point, I think you go ahead and, and hang up the gloves, but, and this is what kept me motivated mm. when I was that young, hungry, broke loan originator with a pregnant wife and $10,000 in credit card debt. Yeah. I was working twice as hard in this new career than I was in my previous career. I was making half the money but every day, if you ask me, do I like what I do? The answer was yes. Not once did I wake up and I was like, oh, I don't want to go to work today. Like literally. Now, there's been times in my career where I had a loan going sideways and I was in the shower in the morning shaving and I was like, oh, F, I do not want to go deal with, with this dumpster fire today. But all in all, I've, I've always been saying, I love what I do. I like who I do it with. I like the industry that I represent. And it makes it very easy to then say, hey, five years. I tell loan officers, minimum of two. You're you're 100% commission salesperson, but it's a minimum of two years where you may literally make next to no money, mm. right? Or my, my cousin who's in uh, commercial real estate made 13 grand his first year, 18 grand his second year. Mm. Now, I'm pretty confident he probably hasn't made less than 400 grand for the past five, uh, to five or 10 years. Right. But getting there, and he left a six-figure sales job yep. in a different industry. So I love the fact that you're telling entrepreneurs, especially like, look, Find an idea that you're passionate about that's, that solves a pain. Yeah. And then dig in, fail forward, fail fast, pick yourself up. And if you, you still love the idea and you're still solving for the pain, then 
grind it out. Yeah, no, you, you got to do the work. And it's funny you say that because it's like, you know, I can identify with that. I know a lot of people can, but it's like, you know, when I started building these businesses, I mean, they don't really produce, you know, a salary when you're, when you're, when you're <laughs> building a product. And so I remember, you know, similar thing, like, um, you know, calling people saying, hey, can I build you a website? You know, <laughs> what, like, tr just trying to do whatever I could to be able to pay for rent or, you know, things like that. And, but ultimately, I mean, that, that it's a pain and it's stressful, but if you find yourself willing to kind of take that pay cut or to make those difficult phone calls to keep doing what you're doing, then you know you're you're doing something right, you know? And so it's it's easy to be, uh, to have that mountaintop experience. Like if you got in the industry right before the refinances, you know, the boom came. Worst time, and, worst time to get in. If you got in yeah. in March of 2020, I feel, I feel for you. Right, but exactly. But the question is like, you know, when you get into those lows and you get into those val valleys, like are you gonna be able to, to work through that and, uh, uh, and, and and if you don't care about what you're doing, um, it's just it's just so hard, right? I mean, to, to, to kind of over to, to climb out, if you will. Is um, I'm gonna switch topics. We're gonna find a way to put a bow on this, wrap it up. Um, we literally took down y'all's entire trade booth here at the NBA, yeah. which I love, by the way. It's like one of my coolest sets. We've we've had the opportunity to do this like several other times. It's like when, when at all possible. So for those that aren't tuning in on YouTube and you can't see us, if you're listening to us and you can hear some background noise, like, yeah, we're, like, we're sitting in a 100,000 square foot convention center expo uh, where we just took down ADM's booth for like 30, 45 minutes. So Spencer and I can sit here and, and podcast. So no, I, I like to ask this question from time to time. Um, and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna end on it. Um, favorite book, what's a book recommendation that, uh, that, that you would give to a younger sales professional, tech startup, something you've read that was impactful or meaningful to you? Gosh, there's a lot of, I try, <laughs> I try to think of the so, one. Yeah, the, the one, I, I can never give mind. the one. I have like three that I go to. Like when people ask me why you're thinking about it, I'll, I'll uh, yeah. like, like I'll, I tend to always go to, okay, in this order, Atomic Habits, Extreme Ownership, Never Split the Difference. Yep. Like those were three books that I think you can hammer through um, like we can get into Untethered Soul, which if, if you're a person of faith, you should check that out. Mm. Um, uh, I throw out uh, Raving Fans. Someone made me read that when I was like 24 or 26 years old, but it still is a, a classic go-to. Yeah. But um, I'm always looking for decent book recommendations, although right now, because of John Meacham, I don't know if you saw John Meacham today, mm. but John Meacham was with Tim McGraw uh, earlier today, and they, they did a big interview, and they're promoting their book. But I'm really big into like historical fiction yeah. or just biographies. No, I, I love it too, and I think and never split the difference. Tom McCabex would make my top ten list for sure. I'll give a couple here that are uh, maybe more uh, that maybe you haven't heard of that, that I love as well. One is uh, uh, Crossing the Chasm. That's a very famous kind of yeah. software technology book. The basic uh, premise is is like, you know, how do you cross the chasm in the sense of when you bring something new into the world, you maybe you get early adopters on that platform that want to try new things. How do you get to that next stage where it's like the middle adopter, the late adopter? How do you kind of cross that chasm and get them to get on your product or use it? Like how do you position it and how do you provide value to the world in a way where it's not just the crazy people that are using yeah. it in essence? I think that's a it's a great book and it's it's also great for, I think, real estate or lending as well because it's, it's helping you think about like the product you're putting out into the world and how can I do something innovative and new in a way that's going to resonate with people. So love that. Also love the book. Um, Amp It Up is a, is a great one too, which basically, um, it's again, it's more geared towards like a, a software company and creating a, a culture of, um, of, of, of results and you know, just really amping up the pace. 
Um, but I love it because it's just it's asking a lot of tough questions of like, well, you know, people say, hey, I'll, I'll do that next week. It's like, well, why don't you do it today? And, you know, it's, it's like asking all, all those really hard questions. And you start thinking like, you know what, I can operate a lot faster and with a lot, lot, a lot more urgency here. And so I think it gives you a framework there, which is, uh, which is really interesting. So those are two that are uh, maybe more top of mind for me right now. But yeah, love, I love it. To mention too. If someone wants to learn more about Adium, where do they go? Yeah, at www.thinkadium.com. So that's thinkaidium.com. Yep. And, and I, I do promote your product because I do love the fact that it is out of the box, ready mm -hmm. to go, especially for that single originator yep. who's going to have to do it all themselves. Yep. Right? Like this is a fantastic solution. So y'all should check out what they're doing over at Adium. Uh, CRM needs to be a part of any person's sales process, whether you're a dentist, a financial advisor, real estate agent, or a mortgage lender. Um, I'm a firm believer in systems and processes and utilizing technology to help people organize. Yeah. Um, and then if people want to follow you, how, how do we follow Spencer yeah. does about? LinkedIn's probably the okay. easiest. I don't do Facebook or Instagram. Uh, I have an addictive personality, so it's just like those types of things. It's like, I just know it's like fantasy sports, don't touch it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, LinkedIn is, uh, um, is, is the best place to to find me, and the other thing I, I will say too for the single LO is we love we love your feedback, and we have we have a roadmap on our site as well. So if you have product ideas or things that you want us to look at, or again we uh, we believe in that collaborative approach. So we love love your ideas and love your feedback. And don't love be shy. that two way dialogue. Yep. Look, y'all. He is Spencer does about. He is the founder and CEO of Adium. I am Dustin Owen. I am the creator and host of the Loan Officer Podcast. That is all the time we have for you today. But we do look forward to catching you on the next episode. Peace.